You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. What I want to speak about tonight again, I was saying this just a little bit earlier to you guys and just clarifying it for the recording. Um, We've been readdressing some things that we've learned before and we've been coming back to them in the church. And um, Those things are that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy through fear, doubt, and division. And we know that, but we are continuing to understand what that actually looks like. And one of the things that the Lord is leading me into now is how to stop the cycle of fear, doubt, and division. Because what I noticed when Randy first spoke about this, I think it was three weeks ago or two weeks ago, he he taught about this doubt and how it is the concern of God that he is not who he says he is. And when I started thinking about that, I really started to see this shift in our culture that there was an invitation uh, in the generation before me that there was an invitation, an opening for doubt. And doubt entered. And doubt is the first of these three. Of uh, Fear, doubt, and division, doubt is, doubt is the first one. Because it is the concern of God that he is not who he says he is. And what happens now is because now that exists in a generation that he's not who he says he is. So we've, we've excommunicated the Holy Spirit from church and we've left it to our own ability to do it. It's, it's, about, it's an activities-based church now. So we see that doubt has consumed this generation and con- consumed its doctrine. And what we see now in my generation and these kids' generations that are um, in high school and junior high now is that there is fear in these generations and that is the concern of them that I am not who he says that I am and we see that I mean you turn on the news you can see there's a a generation desperately reaching for identity anything and everything that they can hold on to because what they said Randy has said this before what they have said to be a firm and solid foundation is shaking the generation that has received and accepted doubt that God is not who he says he is, has told them that God is a firm foundation, but they don't believe that themselves. And so now you have a generation that lives in fear, desperately trying to hold on to anything solid, trying to understand who they are in the grand scheme of things. And that, that is fear. That is the fruit of fear. And both of those things bring division. Doubt and fear give life to division. And division is the concern of you. That you're not who God says that you are. That I, I'm, I'm now aligning myself up with the darkness that would be spoken over you. Gossip, slander, all those kind of things that we're well versed with. That we have understand we've been on the receiving end and we've been the ones that have delivered that. And so that's, that's division. And what the Lord has led me into this week and in prepping for this is this question of, okay, how, if this is a generational thing, then it has to stop. How do we stop it? So how do these things stop? And so we're just going to go through that. How, how do you stop fear, doubt, and division? If it exists in you, how, how do we remove it? Um, how do we stop it 
in, in generations, okay? So the first one is doubt, okay? Very simply, doubt is destroyed by faith. I'm just gonna read some scripture here. It'll be up on the board. I'm gonna go through pretty quick um, with these verses. The first one is James 1, 6. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Matthew 21, 21. And Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if I say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. Matthew 14, 31. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? So we, we've learned this before. Faith is encounter. It talks about in Scripture that no one came to Christ and to the belief of Christ, the acceptance and receiving of Christ on their own, but it was a gift of faith that God gave us in this first moment of encounter that we were then able to believe back in Jesus. We didn't even have it within ourselves. We could not even come to this decision on our own. He had to present it to us. He had to completely and totally meet with us in a moment, and then we had to receive that gift of faith that we could then put it back into him. And so we know that faith only comes from encounter. Faith is that, is that fruit that grows in the garden of encounter. You have more faith by the amount of encounter that you have. It's, it's the same. We've talked about this before. It's the same with money. I can't write Matthew a check for a million dollars if I don't have it in the bank account. It's not valid for anything. And what we've also lived by, a doctrine that we live by, is you just got to have faith. So that when a situation comes, just muster up, muster up enough faith. Not possible. If you don't have the faith for the situation, you'll get swallowed up by the situation. You can't expect faith to arrive when the time comes that it's necessary. You only have the adequate faith for the moment that you're in. Because of encounter. You have to have encounter with God on a, on a regular basis that that faith would grow because you've experienced this, this person, this, this son and, and father and Holy Spirit for yourself. So if you encounter God, you will not doubt God. If doubt is the concern of God, that he is not who he says he is, if I encounter him, I will not doubt him. Because I've encountered him for myself. It's not, Parker told me that he's this. That's what we've lived by. The pastor told me that God is good. But I've not experienced that for myself. That's what the church has lived by. That can't be it. You know, it, this is a big deal. I, it was, it's funny because it just became like a mundane thing that nobody really meant. But... If a pastor said God is good, the congregation would say all the time. And all the time, God is good. That was the thing. Man, it was like a routine thing, like saying hi. But how many actually knew it? It's easy to say it when you're in your big, nice, cushy chair in church. I mean, I came from a mega church, so it was like everybody saying, there were like 5,000 people saying this back, and it's like, dang, that's loud. But... I don't know, maybe 10 knew it for themselves that God was good all the time. That every good gift came from the Father of lights. They knew it because they've experienced it. 
But the rest just believed the pastor when he said it, that God is good. You know, like you were saying, they believed that he had a word for me. God didn't tell me this word. The pastor got a word for me, and then the pastor was the delivery system because I can't hear from God. That's what we lived in. So faith equals encounter, and where there is encounter, there will not be doubt because doubt is the concern of God. And if you have encounter with God, you will not doubt him. You will not, you will not be concerned that he isn't who he says that he is. You will know for yourself because you've experienced it for yourself that he is exactly who he says that he is. The promises that he's made are for me too. They're not for others. Absent me, they're also for me. The next one is fear. Fear is destroyed by love. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. 1 John 4.18 There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Fear can only exist where there is first doubt. We know that doubt is the open door. Doubt is the one that gives life to the other two. So fear can only exist where there is first doubt. But if we experience and encounter God for ourselves, then there is no doubt. So there is also no fear. Because if I know God to be who he says that he is, then when he says who I am, I know him to only speak truth. Because I've experienced him. Because he's the author of truth. He's the creator and perfecter. So when he says that I am this, I know that that's who I am because I know that he doesn't lie about himself. He's proven himself to be true, so why would he not be true and speak truth over me. And so where, where there is fear, there is first doubt. But when we encounter God, it not only destroys doubt, the concern of God, but it also destroys fear because we receive fully who he says that we are. Because I've encountered him, I know that he speaks truth. But if there is no experience and no encounter, then we have doubt. And like I've said, this is getting mundane a little bit, but then we have fear. We can only know the love of God that would cast out fear if we experience it. Only way. And so you have to have an encounter because the love of God is God himself. God is love. And so to encounter the love of God is to encounter God himself and that will cast out fear. And then the last one is division. Division is the fruit of doubt and fear, like I said. And division is destroyed by truth. Romans 16, 17 through 18 says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them, for such persons do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery they deceive the hearts of the naive. 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 13, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each of you 
says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? So we see that truth exists where there is first encounter and love. Truth blossoms in that place. Um, and, and the first truth that we, we have to come to realize and that we do come to realize is that God is who he says he is. We, we encounter that for ourselves. We see that truth for ourselves. That everything that's written in this book, everything that he claims in this book, I've encountered for myself to be true. And then we take it a step further. And so everything that he's written in this book about me, that I am a son, that I am an heir to the kingdom of heaven, that I am anointed, that I have been set apart, that I'm a royal priesthood, that I am an ambassador for Christ. All of these things I know to be true. And those are just the general things. That's not even the good stuff. That's, and that's like pretty big stuff. Like you're an heir to the kingdom of heaven. The guy that created everything, like he's just going to give you the keys. Like that's kind of cool. Um, you're a son and daughter to the king of heaven and earth. And then when you receive that, you begin to receive the truth specifically about you that he has with you in mind. Because the beautiful thing is that you can come to realize now from that place of understanding and receiving and believing the general truth is that now you can recognize the fact that there is only one you. There will only ever be one you. And all of time and all that time will come after us, there is only ever going to be one of me. And he has anointed me for such a time as this. To make way for those that will not be me, will not be anointed to be me, and he has no desire to make them me. But we're here now. And you, you can begin to recognize the significance of just taking in a breath of air in the moment that you're in. As this God has so significantly and specifically created you. And in that there cannot be fear. There is no concern of me. When you understand that truth, fear can't even, it can't even, can't even swing at you. Like it can't even try when we recognize that truth. We recognize that truth and then there will be no division. And this is the really beautiful part of this is we're, we've been talking since, I mean, it was one of those Sundays when Randy came in, he kind of talked about what this year was going to be and he said this was going to be a year of great faith. It was, I don't know if this happens for many of you, but it happens to me quite often. Randy will say something and the Lord will highlight that to me, and then I won't hear a single word Randy says after that. And sometimes it's in like his opening prayer. And it's like, I don't, Randy, I don't know what you preached on, man, because the Lord had me somewhere else. But it was from that time, and it was on a, it was that following Monday, I was teaching second graders, we were doing some swim lessons, when the Lord spoke that he, wanted to, he was raising up intercessors. And that you would be able to recognize who they were because they would be captivated by the desires of his heart. What he specifically said was the desires of my heart will captivate theirs. Like, okay. And so we started talking about that. 
and intercession and going through that and recognizing that this life that we're meant to live is anything but defensive. We're not ever playing defense, ever. The Lord has us on the front lines, on the offensive. That is the intent. We are, I mean, we ferociously attacking the strongholds of the enemy anytime we spot one. Like it is offense, offense, offense is what he's created. And that is what intercession is. Intercession is oftentimes just uh, downplayed to this, you know, it's just these people that are really good at praying. That's not it. Prayer is a part of it. But the, I mean, these are like the assassins. Like they are looking for a fight. And when they find it, they pick it. And whatever, and to, inter, to intercede for someone is to stand in the gap. To, I, I'm standing between them and whatever is attacking them. I'm standing right here. And it's this, it's this mentality that whatever pointed its sword at them is going to regret it. And we stand in that gap and we begin to be this vessel of truth over these people that we could destroy the stronghold that is attacking them and seek, seeking to latch onto them. And then we would be this vessel of truth that they would then encounter God for themselves. And this process would begin for them that there would be no doubt, fear, or division in them. Because they encounter God, they know his love and they receive his truth. And so we, we can't do that, though, if there's division in us. Because division allows you to see what the enemy is speaking over that person. And you agree with it. That's the really kind of gut-riching thing. Is you align yourself with instead of being an intercessor... Aligning yourself with truth over that person. When we, allow divi- when we allow doubt and fear to live in us, the fruit it produces is division. So instead of standing in the gap, we stand next to it and point our sword at that person as well. And that's the really horrifying thing is that we're actually aligning ourselves with the kingdom of darkness over a person. When we allow division to be what reigns uh, in our story. And that's... And that, I mean, agree or disagree, turn on the news, and it kind of speaks for itself. We are a, there is not a, there's, there's no logic to the division. We're divided for this, but we're also divided for that, but that contradicts this. But we're divided. And it's the same people that are saying that that's a problem are also causing the division over here. There's division everywhere. There's fear everywhere. And there's doubt everywhere. It's across the generation. It, it is the stronghold of generations. Fear, doubt, and division. And so it can exist in us. The Lord showed me this. Uh, I'll, never, I'll never forget this. He, he, he allows me to use this quite often in teaching. Um, I was doing laundry in my... Uh, in the laundry hall in the dorm that, was, that I was staying at at SFA and I was walking down the hallway back to my room with my laundry and the Lord just showed me this vision there was just like a fragrance coming off of me it was kind of like a rainbow almost looking fragrance coming off of me as I was walking past and people were walking past and they were catching a whiff of it and they were turning and they were walking with me and what the Lord was saying, and he was trying to 
get me to understand how existing is just as significant as speaking. Existing, housing the presence of God in a place is just as significant. Most of the times it's even more significant than if you would open your mouth. But just you being in the atmosphere with the presence of God is establishing the kingdom of heaven. But the cool thing is, is that I've come to this realization a couple years ago is that there's not a single person on this earth that was not made by God and therefore they were made for God. He sent his only son for the world. He didn't send him for the select few. He loved the world and sent his son to die for the forgiveness of the world. Everyone's been forgiven in offered this opportunity of salvation. Everyone's been forgiven. And so that means everyone was made for him. Everyone's been forgiven. And so when you encounter what you were made for, it does something. I don't, I don't care what anybody says. If, I, if I'm made for God and the presence of God passes me, you're gonna notice your bones are going to feel it because it's what they were made for. And so just existing without doubt, without fear, without division, and just existing in a place establishes the kingdom of heaven in that place. And that there would no longer be a stronghold of fear, doubt, and division, but that there would be a stronghold for the kingdom of heaven that brings truth and light and freedom. And that, that's how... We destroy these strongholds. We establish our own. And once, once a stronghold is established for the kingdom of heaven, that which is not of God can't exist. It's done. Darkness is only the absence of light. So if there's, if there's a stronghold right here that's not of God and I put, the strong, I put God right there, that stronghold isn't there anymore. It can't be. It's not in its nature to be. It's not allowed to be. It's, it, it just doesn't work. It can't. It has no power and authority over that. It can only exist where we're not or where we refuse to be or where when we refuse to be. And so it's where and when when we exist in the fullness of truth without doubt, without, without doubt of who God is, without fear of who I am, and without division of who you are, when we exist in these places, we, we author the kingdom of heaven in those places, and that's how you destroy the stronghold that has a grip on a generation. Because then these people encounter it, they come to know it, and then they leave. It was really funny. I was at the... I was, uh, I, we were driving home last night. We uh, took the boys to go eat after the track meet in Lubbock, and we were driving on 1585, and I was just thinking, and I don't know what this was, but it was, a, it was definitely a sideways thought. You know, you've got, you're thinking this way, and then all of a sudden you're just intersected by a thought that came out of nowhere, unprovoked, and it's just like, I don't know where that came from. And what, the, what I saw was it that track meet, it stopped being a track meet real quick because the Lord started healing people. And it turned into this massive worship 
and there were just people getting healed left and right. There, there were kids coming up, like people, were, we weren't running anymore. Like it was no longer a track meet. Like there, it was total chaos in the sense of a, a, of a track meet anymore. And it was completely just like, like all of heaven just invaded one, one little speck of a place in that stadium and it just changed everything. I don't know what I'm, I don't know what totally to do with that yet. But I do know that that's, that's where this goes. When a generation is freed, that's what it looks like. It's, it's, not, it's not a small thing, it's a big thing. When a generation is freed of a stronghold of doubt, a stronghold of fear, and a stronghold of a division, it, it comes mightily, and it impacts heavily. Um, and so we're, we're in exciting and fun days, and you, I encourage you to have a conversation with, with Jay Winfrey about some of the stuff that the Lord has been showing him. Um, we're getting, and we've, we've known this for a while that we're getting into this place, but we're just getting into a place where there's just not going to be any turning back from it. Um, and it's very exciting to hear this kind of stuff when we're actually talking about tangibly removing a stronghold over a generation of people. Not like a small group, but we're talking about millions and billions of people that the Lord wants to free now. That's pretty cool um, that he, he wants to release that and that he's, he's allowing for these words of truth and for this message to be spoken in a place that most would not even notice that they flew over, that it was a town but that that's, that's, that's where he's choosing to release these words of power. Um, and so it's very exciting, but I would just ask, do any of these exist in you? Is there any doubt? Is there any fear? Is there any division? And if there is, you know how to directly deal with it. And it starts by just coming to a place of encounter with God. And the rest just takes care of itself. But when you encounter God, it brings peace to everything else. It's, it's silenced the lies. It's silenced the fear. You feel the love. You're consumed by the love of God and the truth of God, of who he is and who you are and who the person next to you is. Just, just come into encounter. Make sure that you're regularly allowing for encounter as well. Don't allow the circumstances to rob you of encounter with God because that's all you're focused on. I love this, this image that Peter was closer to Jesus than he was to the boat when he started to sink. And so that means that he walked on water in the wind and the waves. So he walked on water in spite of all of those things because his focus wasn't on those things. It was on Jesus. And the circumstances didn't matter. So that's what I like to think of and that's what I believe God has called us into is to be those that are walking in spite of the wind and the waves around us, steadfast, unwavering, because there's no doubt, fear, or division found in us. Lord, we thank you for this word. I just, I thank you for, I thank you for the power that is in this house, in these people. I thank you for just the body of Christ and how beautiful it is and how you show us the members of the body of Christ these members that we would have never encountered if it weren't for this house, that you bring them here. 
and that we get to see and, and, and experience and just be a part of their story, we just thank you. Lord, I just pray for power and authority over these as they go out this week. That there would just, uh, there would be blessing over each of their stories, Father God, and then they would tangibly see the kingdom of God established in their steps. That everywhere they go, that they would enter into places and they would come back days later and find that the atmosphere has shifted because the kingdom of God has taken up residence there has been established in these places because they exist in these places. We thank you for the power and authority that you freely give to us. Lord, I pray that we would go and we would freely give it to those around us. We love you, we praise you, and it's all for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.